We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And over the last couple of days, we've had some great play in action. Guys, I have missed playoff level intensity. It's been great. A couple of uh, the baby Lakers uh, shown through in big moments in those playing games. D'Angelo Russell had a big stretch after a pretty cold start. He was way too casual to start that game. B.I. put uh, the Pelicans on his shoulders for a stretch over that the the course of their win over San Antonio. We've got the seven seeds locked up in both conferences. Have a great marquee series, first round series between the Nets and Celtics all ready to go. The, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves in somewhat hilarious fashion, clinched the seventh seed out West. But in today's episode, we're going to, we're going to put one last bow on the regular season before we really get into the meat of a playoffs that are, I, I think, going to be really exciting in both, both conferences. And today we're going to discuss the all NBA teams. Mike, this is a topic that you have a great deal of passion for. I love hearing the basis for your beliefs on this. So if you would, please share with us, like your feelings on all NBA and why it matters. Well, all NBA is, is really, the best way to tell the history of the NBA if you haven't been able to follow too closely. And so if you're just looking from the when the NBA started, who were the best 15 players in the league that year? And in what order were they? That to me is very important. And it's something that's it's difficult to remember even the year prior for a lot of people, like what that team was. And so when you really think about it, that's the that's the level of emphasis that I like to put on it because you're you're stamping those 15 guys into history. And if you miss one, then it's going to take somebody doing a real deep dive to re-explain that season. And I think there is that we've gotten a lot better at this from in the past there. Part of it's been the analytics movement. Part of it has just been a lot more people being able to watch a lot more basketball and league pass part of like uh, streaming, right? All of that, because before to, to get league pass into your house and then to have to be in your house when you were watching it, even that, was hard to keep track of the whole league. So some of the, the stewards of it used to be the broadcasters and the beat writers that were actually going to every game. But, you know, those people also some have differing levels of care in that. 
And, you know, like Clyde Drexler or somebody, the analyst for the Rockets may have a, a much different sense of paying attention to the game on a daily basis than Jim Peterson of the Timberwolves, who was obsessed with it. And so those two analysts are going to have different votes and that's going to that's going to impact things. One beat writer might be totally obsessed with his team. The other one might have an eye on covering the league and then really watching everybody. So all of those things, I think, come into play. And, and we're at a point now, again, Darius, where like we're, I think, pretty good. The media does a much better job than anybody else. That's that's the first part of this argument. But it's still not perfect. And, and that's why it, it calls for a certain level of debate. So those are some of the reasons why I am obsessed with All-NBA and just think it's really important. And I didn't even get into what it means for players in terms of where, you know, how it feels for them to be rewarded and to be seen and to be heard and, and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm never one of those people who loves to compare and like rank things. Right. Like, like, oh, you know, you're the fifth greatest player of all time. It's just like, okay. what I do enjoy, though, is sort of the stratification of the league in in its own way and being able to go back in history and say, yeah, these dudes actually were the best players. Now, I'm not going to go and say, well, this guy was number one versus this guy who was number two, but getting a general sense of over eras who the best players were. The all-NBA teams, to me, are the best tool that we have at our disposal besides potentially like um, MVP shares, right? Because if you're consistently, Pete, like in the top five of the MVP voting, like every single year, even if you never win one, that tells me that your consistent greatness was being recognized from a swath of people who care about the league. And the All-NBA teams, to me, are super important for that same reason, because it tells me that over the course of their time together... For example, Kobe and like Dwayne Wade and like those are two shooting guards and like Wade never really broke through to first team because Kobe's clutch on that was so strong and people could argue about that. But there was no getting away from the fact that if you looked at who the best shooting guards in the league were, they were Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade. And you know why? Because over the course of 10 years, they were the only dudes who were making it like every single season. That sort of stuff does matter to me because as Mike said, the history of the league is told in the NBA, I think more so than any other league is told through its stars and who the stars were and how they capture the imagination of fans. And I, then I think that is represented across these teams. And time does so much to fade memory and even of of people acting in the best faith possible. Like if I think about Clyde Drexler's career, for some reason he just popped into my mind. I I have a, a thought of him over the course of several seasons, whereas when he did or did not make an all NBA team is kind of a shorthand way of finding out where he ranked, like how he was viewed at that period of time. And that's something I think speaks to Mike's point that when we go back and look at the resumes of all of these guys, we can do a deep dive into that. And that's always worthwhile. And I hope that we continue to see more historical deep dives that we're starting to see in current NBA coverage over the course of off seasons and things like that. But I do have one bone to pick with it, Mike. I think the positional stratification of the all NBA teams is really antiquated. And one of the things that we face with that is this year, two players in Jokic and Embiid who absolutely 
are two of the top five guys in the NBA this year. And if they don't, and maybe they've, they've announced something that I haven't heard, but as of now, one of them is going to be second team and probably doesn't need to be. And to me, like there's point guard, shooting guard, small forward, all that are shorthand for kind of concepts and ideas that have become more and more blurred as the game has progressed. And I would love to see a change just like, give me your best five, give me your second best five, give me your third best five. But ultimately, I agree with you, Mike, that just the the way that this is this codifies who players were. And when we look back at it, at it 20 years later, and I think of players who were active 20 years ago, who I totally remember, it's important because those memories fade and get distorted over time. So I love that, but I don't like the positional designations. I am ready for the positional designations to go away. I think that they made sense up until even a couple of years ago, but these last two years, especially teams have just gotten so creative and so unique and players have been moving around. What, like what position does LeBron play? You know, he plays three positions and, and you can't even, the way that we would base this in the past would be Tim Duncan was the ultimate argument for this. And I was always annoyed with the argument that he, Oh no, he's a forward. He's, he's not a forward. He's not. There, there you're you're be, telling me Matt Bonner is your center? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's post it, – it, it came from like his first year when he was playing with David Robinson. And really what they did was they just played two centers. And one of them was somehow versatile enough to move his feet some on the perimeter. And then they would just try to get every rebound. So, But that was – the league was more sensible – not sensible. It was just predictable in that sense that people were starting a center and starting a big power forward. And now that that stuff has gone away, I, I totally think we can move to positionless and just say, who are the best five players this year? And it's not going to be five point guards one year and five centers the next. It's just not because there's still some level of, of a of, – like we can, do the, we can do the work to figure out who is where on the, on the court and that there are going to be just – there's going to be some natural – there's going to be some natural uh, dissonance there in terms of where guys are because – just because of, the, of how you can attack a certain team and how you can attack the league in a certain way. So – but with all of that said, this is still the best tool that we have, I think. And it's not necessarily fun. And there are some good arguments, but that is not just sports culture, but that's sort of life. That's what people people can argue over what's their favorite color, you know, mm-hmm. and try to make some point on that. And the, the answer is blue, by the way, you know, clearly the best color. Purple is clearly the best color, Michael. <laughs> Gotta know your environment, man. Oh, Come man. On. Not gold? My, oh, one no, of my no. son's oh, no, favorite no, no, color no, no, no. is gold. No, Jerry, say, Jerry's about to right. dunk on us. Yeah, See, yeah. Y'all are both right. <laughs> blue, right? But a certain type of blue. There is a forum blue, Mike. <laughs> That's right. That, that is represented across the spectrum that as I come into Switzerland again and jump between both of y'all and say, hey, I think both of y'all got good points here. Darius, tell the forum blue story. I, I don't think everyone knows the background of that. It actually comes from Jack Kent Cook and Chick Hearn's days when Jack Kent Cook was still the owner of the Lakers. And apparently he had an affinity for the color, but did not want to call it purple. And so they called it Forum Blue, which is and so you could go to forumblueandgold.com. There's a little tagline that's at the top that says Forum Blue with a little question mark. There's there's some good research in there that you can read up on. I'm always appreciative, though, whenever anyone gives us the little like Forum Blue or it comes up. Dan Divide is great at this. Whenever he talks about the Lakers, he'll drop a little Forum Blue reference because he's an OG like that. And, and so but yes, Forum Blue, Mike. So. 
So we're all on the same page here. Well, to Mike's point, we could absolutely argue and discuss for two minutes over a favorite color because we just did. <laughs> yes. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the All-NBA teams. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, all NBA teams for this season. So I tweeted out from my personal account at Mike Trudell a couple of days ago what my the all NBA teams that I had settled on were. And just in doing a little bit extra research since then, there's there's like one spot at least that I probably would change. And so I, I really do think that this year is open for good arguments. And I am I have a pretty firm feeling about what my teams are, but could certainly by by you two be persuaded to move a couple of around a couple of them around. Uh, and that said, I, I feel confident in what the teams are. So do you guys want to start first, second or third? I think I think starting from first, first team would be helpful. More sensible, yeah, because yeah, yeah. can. All right. So the first team to me, there are there are four guys that are kind of no brainers. There's one person on the second team. And this is this is, by the way, I have separated uh, Jokic and Embiid. And so I've got Jokic first team and Embiid second team, just because that's still to me the way that the NBA is. I can't I can't credibly call Embiid a forward just to sneak him onto my team because he technically can get can get votes there. So that's that's one thing. But there's one other player on the second team. So let's start there and see if you guys have the same strong feeling about who that other guy is. So backcourt, um, I had Doncic and Booker and then front court, Giannis, Jokic and Kevin Durant. So the player that I had a hard time leaving off and ultimately gave Durant the spot over by a hair was Jason Tatum. And I, so let's start there. Anything stand out? Is there another player that you guys would rather have in your first? And what do you think about the Durant Tatum discussion? I'd probably have Tatum on the first team rather than Durant strictly off of games played. KD missed a, a significant enough stretch to where, like, it's not even fair, but, um, you know, Boston really came on in the second half of the year and Tatum is so central to to that that, that I would flip those two. But it, obviously it's an argument, but with the games missed, that's where I'm at. 
Gamesmith is like the tiebreaker for them. I don't really bring into account team performance because of the like the craziness of what the Nets season was, and that really Fair had point. little to do with with Kevin Durant. Now, if the craziness of the Nets season was specifically inspired by Kevin Durant, then that would count against him. Sure. Right? But in this case, it does not. But I would probably lean Tatum there as well. But like, what would be interesting, and this is just a side argument here, if Tatum were eligible at guard, would you have Durant over like one of the two guys that you had at guard and then basically in order to slide Tatum in to a guard spot? I'm asking this to you, Mike. Like, how important is KD to you like on your first team? Well, so this this brings up a couple of points that are, I think, important for parameters and the way that I look at things might be slightly different from some voters or some people in general. And for me, for all NBA, the tiebreaker is who's the better player. Unless games played is ridiculous. Okay. So, so games played and it's, it's close, which is why I brought Tatum into the Durant conversation because Durant is 55 games. Tatum is 76 games. So that's 21 games. And that's significant. And part of what that did was that let Boston get the two seed because Tatum was available for his team to that degree. And because Durant was not available to that degree is part of why Brooklyn um, is the seventh seed. Yet, it's still ultimately about giving your team a chance to win the title. It's not like, I don't view the regular season for all NBA just as the regular season. Because why are we actually playing basketball? And this is a this is part of why LeBron yes. isn't on the first or the second team. It's because the team, the whole point of the regular season is to set yourself up for the postseason. And Durant played enough to give his team a chance where what he has is basically Boston has home court. So that is somewhat significant, but that to me is not quite persuasive enough where if you told me which of these two players do you want in your team for this series, who's the first pick in this series? And I give Tatum a real good look because he's been awesome, especially down the stretch, but I'm still taking Kevin Durant. And I think that most people are. And to me, that means Kevin Durant is the best forward. And, and that's how he gets my spot just because he's still a little bit better. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think, though, if it was like 10 games yeah, or, or, a lot. or under or under 10, like 21 games is it's a quarter of the season. It's like in between 600 and 700 minutes. Like that's a that's a lot. That's that's just a lot of basketball. That's a lot of availability. Mm -hmm. And the way that that translates to production, to to team success, to just being available, like I don't argue with your point about KD being like the better player. Um, mm -hmm. And if we were just saying, well, who are the best players, then LeBron might still make my first team. Right. Like because his stats and everything else and like the drama of this Lakers season was what it was. And he contributed some to that. But I also think it's just like, OK, well, if this is just a ranking of who I think the top five or six guys in the league are, LeBron might still be right there for me. But in this context, I would still go Tatum. But this is a particularly difficult year in terms of how well the very top guys in the league are playing. And so it is splitting hairs to a certain extent. Let's get back to that in a second, because I'm going to talk about LeBron with the second team and the Durant combo will be relevant to that, too. But I don't love the starting backcourt, you know, of Luca and Devin Booker. 
Part of the reason is because Luca really struggled early, but he came on so amazingly late that he put his team in a great spot, right, for the postseason. And now we'll see about that injury. But he's got he got Dallas all the way up to the three seed. And that ultimately was a tiebreaker with Curry, right, whose whose injuries, especially late in the season, ended up dropping him down to the second team for me. And then there's Ja Morant, who was amazing. And I don't think there's anybody watching the NBA that doesn't love Ja, but you know, Memphis. And this doesn't mean that this doesn't mean that Ja wasn't awesome because Memphis was awesome when he was on the court, and so was he. But the Grizzlies were a buzzsaw when he was off the court, which tells you something about how his teammates are to play with. And it's kind of like the inverse for LeBron, right? So all of these things come into play. And then Devin Booker, is he really better than Chris Paul? You know, I mean Yes. Yes. Well, if I will, we we can have this argument if you'd like. Devin Booker has become very underrated. And I would say so has Chris Paul. In, in the nature of so, so Chris Paul, who got the Oklahoma City Thunder to the five seed two years ago, who got to Phoenix and got them to the NBA finals as he representing the culture change. And Booker, I agree. Booker has made tremendous strides then. And I did. I had him on my first team. Right. So I ultimately sure. agree yeah, you're too. not disrespecting him. But, yeah, yeah. But that's my that's my point, though. So Chris Paul ends up missing time late in the season. And I think if you ask people around the league still. If like who's the person most responsible for what happened in Phoenix. And now I, I still think it's Chris Paul, but his Booker defensively uh, shot making just steadiness availability. Has he made himself into the guy? The answer is yes, but I still, I had a hard time with it, right? Putting him in that spot, that vaunted all NBA first team spot um, with his 9.5 net rating when, when thinking about Steph Curry and Chris Paul and impact, but ultimately I, I, I just thought the case was too difficult not to put him there. I, I certainly understand that. Um, and I think that Chris Paul, there's a great argument to be made that he was the catalyst for a culture change. I also think that I remember going to a games a couple of years ago and Phoenix was the one team that when I'd go to their games, their games had a slightly different vibe. And I, I remember telling people like I'd come back, be like, they're probably the most unserious team in the NBA, just like how their their body language, how they interact, how they play on the floor. A couple of years ago when it was uh, – Who's the kid out of um, out of Europe? Uh, Bender. They had when they had Bender Dragon on the team. Bender, yeah. Marquise Chris. Yeah. Marquise Chris. It was an like from top to bottom an extremely unserious situation with a young Devin Booker. And it's like, are you going to ask a twenty one year old Devin Booker, twenty two year old, to be like, not only am I going to be this really talented scorer who's finding my way in the league, but I'm also going to be the culture changer that makes everything around here particularly serious. But then they made some changes. They get Monty Williams in there. They do trade for Chris Paul. And all of a sudden, like, Booker is a fish to water to that. He's playing better defense. He's become a better scorer. Certainly slotted in a more appropriate role as a, as a, he's really that OG shooting guard we were talking about earlier where he just checks so many of those boxes. He would have fit right in with the Drexlers and Mitch Richmonds and all those guys from the 90s and all that. But for me, Mike, like, as soon as you put a serious, organization around Devin Booker he was a bad man dropping 40 something in the playoffs and kicked our ass and so let's take a break when we come back let's move on to that those second and and third teams hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price 
Got your happy price, price line. All right, so let's get to the second team there. And to just to put a bow on the Booker thing quick, I still think even last year in the finals, Milwaukee was able to go into his chest more defensively. And he's you know, just not making as much of an impact there. And I think he's come back a lot better there. So that was kind of the final piece for me with Booker. Like, okay, because before teams would not go anywhere near Chris Paul, even at his height, because he's such a fire hydrant. And in Booker, you could still target some. And I think that he's he's basically eliminated that a lot. And that's why Phoenix is, is just so difficult. There's not really a weak spot um, to attack that defense. So um, comfortable having him on the first team alongside Luka. For me, it's Giannis and Jokic, and I think you guys probably both settled on Tatum getting Durant yeah. spot, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, which yep. is which I, I get, and, and I and I am totally understand. So let's go through the second. So backcourt, I have Steph Curry, John Morant, and then Embiid at center. Obviously, we don't even need to have the debate, right? About because I think that if it were just the top five players of the season, he would have been in the first team, and then LeBron and Tatum. So you guys then, I would, you, I would assume you substitute Durant in for Tatum's spot on the second team? Yes. For me, yes. Okay. And the argument here became, I think I think what when the, the votes come through, I wouldn't be surprised if DeMar DeRozan gets one of those spots. He absolutely would not get one of mine um, as much as his, the early start to his season was great. I'll wait to have that discussion here and just, just focus on you guys jump something off and we can go back and forth. But Curry, Morant, LeBron, Tatum, and Embiid I had on the second team there. So we have the same 10 players so far, you and me, Mike. Like the only difference is who's on the first team for forward, right? And so I do have LeBron at second team forward. I think this is going to be the most interesting vote in or one of the more interesting votes in the league is where people slot LeBron. My my guess is he'll get 13. Do you agree? My guess is that he will get 13. My sense is that there will be some people who don't put LeBron on any of their teams. And that's what will drop him down. This is like the penance paid, like the basketball gods continue to strike their fury. And um, fair or not, LeBron, as great as his year was, the Lakers as a team were bad. And the expectations, they fell so far short of what their preseason expectations were that LeBron's numbers and his production ring hollow to a lot of people. And I think those folks will use that as why for people who may think of it more like us, forget LeBron and he plays for the Lakers and this is the Laker film room podcast. I still look at this as who were the like, this should be a symbol for who the best players in the league are. And LeBron is still undoubtedly that. And so, like, I listened to Zach Lowe talk about his all-NBA teams before he had finalized his teams. And he was just like, in five years, I'm going to look back and be like, why did I not have LeBron on one of these teams? He was LeBron freaking James. Like, he was still one of the best players. Like, I don't understand. Like, And so he was just like, just thinking forward and then bringing, coming back to, to the present, I can't imagine leaving him off one of my teams. And so that's kind of where I am with LeBron. He was still so good. One of the reasons why I could see putting him on third team and Pete jump in here is that his games played weren't where they needed to be really. And so you could offer demerits there for him. But if I'm looking at KD, his games played are right around where KD's are. And so it's just like, and his impact is just as strong. So that's kind of where I fell with this. So I have a a different name that 
I can be talked off this. This isn't a particularly strong one, but you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And I also demerit LeBron because of the games played as well. So I'd actually have Siakam in that spot, um, in that second forward spot, just because I think Toronto has been a little bit under the radar in terms of how they've gotten to where they are. Um, and I know this is not a team award, but Siakam, another guy like Luca, who's, you know, started out slow, although like Luca's anyway, I, Luca aside, uh, Siakam started out slow and has really come on just as the Toronto Raptors have as well. And he's leading the league in minutes per game. And I think is kind of central to what they do on a, on a playoff team in a good Eastern conference. But there is that like, why not put LeBron? Like if it was the best 10 guys in the NBA, I would put, I would put him there. But in a season where and maybe I'm a little scarred from the Lakers having so little availability in terms of health that I'm putting extra weight on that this year, Mike. Yeah. But I'd, I'd, I'd have Siakam in there just for that best ability, ability is availability. And that, that matters if you're recounting a season. So first of all, I have Siakam on my third team. And let's have this let's kind of have this context or this conversation in the context of LeBron. And let me get back to that initial Durant point alongside Tatum that I was making or trying to make. So a lot of a lot of the exercise mentally that I do, once you get past the net ratings, that's important to me to just look at what that baseline number is, which a lot of it tells team success and your impact on it and so forth, which, again, is the point of the game. Then your traditional stats, then I test mixing that all together. And then what I like to do for all NBA is just put a guy in the spot of the other guy. So how would Durant do if he had Jalen Brown and Robert Williams and Marcus Smart? Right. And, sure. and Al Horford around him. How would LeBron do if you swapped teams for LeBron and Siakam? What would Le- what would Siakam have done starting next to Russell Westbrook and DeAndre Jordan? Right. And Austin Reeves. Actually, let's take Austin out of that because he's you know basically a basketball god <laughs> at this point after that last game. Um, he's on my LNBA 13 team. No, just kidding. Yeah, uh, I, I thought yeah, so. Yeah. Receive honorable mention. Honorable <laughs> he mention. Made 14. He made yeah, 14. 14, right? 14 for sure for Austin. So, you know, I think it's important to try not to penalize guys too much for what their surroundings are. And that is why LeBron is on the second team, because LeBron played. He he did not play with a lot of plus players this year. Like other than when Anthony Davis wasn't on the court, you know, did LeBron have a a top 30 player at at a single position? You know, like it's a it was a tough. So I am. I am trying. That is why, yes, he has a negative 2.5 net rating, which seems insane when you look at it for LeBron, who's been usually like around 10 for his career. And Siakam has a plus 4.8 rating. But I just think that if LeBron had, you know, Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet and Chris Boucher and on and on down the line, OG Ananobi, all of these huge, big athletic wings to run around him, he'd probably have a plus 10, plus 12 type net rating. And and that's that's also I put Durant in that same category. Brooklyn was an absolute mess this year with injuries, with energy and effort from somebody like Harden, with Kyrie never playing with 10 day guys. They had more starting lineups than the Lakers. They're the only team in the league. And when Durant was in there, uh, he changed all of that for the most part. And, and that's again, it's like penalizing somebody like Tatum or Booker for having great teammates a little bit. But that to me is still why, like, all right, give me one of these two guys. What's the what's the situation? Boom. And that's the tiebreaker. Yeah, I, I'm totally with that. My, my argument is more about availability. Now, Siakam didn't play in every game. He was a 68 
uh, game guy. And so with LeBron at 55, is that that's closer to what you were talking about, D, about like right on that line. And so that distinction, like, yeah, I, well, it's, it's right on the border for me. But it's it's less about the teammates for me than the were you available to play in uh, enough games? And that is a really good tiebreaker. And it's one that I use, too. I But I want to I want to hammer down on the availability discussion and to try to bring it back to this other point where I'll, let's see, maybe the, maybe the thing that I'll do, the equivalency that I'll try to do is what I do with shooting percentage. And like, if you're, if you're 37%, but you have to be guarded to me, that's fine. Like I, I don't need it to be 42%. And there's some games played threshold where if you're available enough that your team has a, a good chance in the postseason, and it like, that to me, I, I can overlook some of the availability thing again for all NBA, less so for MVP. For MVP, availability mm-hmm. matters all that much more, right? And and that's because that that that's just there getting your team, your whole team to a certain stage. And maybe I'm maybe I'm making that too complicated and too confused, but I just think there's a if you're within somewhat of a reasonable threshold and you're clearly a better player, I'll lean towards the player, but I'm I'm not dismissing yeah. the the availability argument, which is a good one. Yeah, and when I hear you talk, I'm like, yeah, I think Mike's right on this one. So yeah, I'm right on the board there. Where are you on this, D? I think that the games played are close enough. I also think you're going to have to get up there. The difference between Durant and Tatum to me, like that's like the threshold of where if you're talking about almost the same quality player or like one player is clearly better, even if it's just by a little bit, but that's the guy that, that you would pick. The other guy has to have played a lot more and 20 games is a lot more. 13 is less. So, right. I will say this about LeBron, and this is the last thing that I'm going to hammer about LeBron. There are plenty of nights where LeBron stats were empty stats. They just were. There were also so many more nights where a team that was as bad as the Lakers would not get the effort that other teams gave the Lakers. And LeBron's numbers on so many other nights for a team that was as bad as his were earned. And he was actually unstoppable. And teams were, and he was still the center point of every game plan. And he was still so much more productive than what you would expect based just based off of the circumstances of the team. Forget his age or how many minutes he's played or anything else. If you were to say, here is a 30 win team, basically, that gets every other team's best effort every night. And they see this dude as being the key to stop every night in order to beat them. And this dude is still basically putting up dominant numbers and would have led the league in scoring if he played two more games that he could have just checked into and put up numbers regardless, like just because he's that good, right? Like that's where I am at with LeBron. And that's no disrespect to a player like Siakam who, like like Mike said, made my third team. Yeah, in terms of like who the better player is, like obviously LeBron is the better player. I don't want to act as though there's a, you know, that that, that's what it is. And and I think, look, and again, Siakam got on my third team, Pete. So like we're right, we're very close. I just, I also thought that Van Vliet was great this year. I thought Scotty Barnes was great. I thought Ananobi was great. In fact, their record when Ananobi plays uh, compared to when Siakam sits um, is favors Ananobi being on the court. But yet and still, sure, picking one, 
I'd take Siakam. And I want to say one last thing about LeBron before we get to the third team. So just statistically, and again, this this discounts the 56 games that he played. I have him as the fourth best player in the year uh, on the season this year, past basically Giannis Embiid and Jokic. Um, and Jokic being actually first there for me. But Giannis is like Giannis's numbers this year are insane. Giannis, unbelievable. I mean, he's know, an unbelievable. Thirty player, points, man. twelve rebounds, six assists. I'm rounding up a slight bit. But then the 1.4 blocks, 1.1 steals, and that's where he sort of has Jokic. And it's not just the blocks and steals. It's the de- it, That's a symbol in some ways for the defensive versatility, right, which is where we have Anthony Davis in that class of two with Giannis of the dude that you just don't have. There's nothing you can do with him on defense. You're, you just Mike, like, get foot, away. Get away from I us. call it the footsteps factor, Mike. Yeah. It's just like it's, it's the guy where it's just like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? I'm constantly hearing the footsteps and it doesn't matter what your defensive metrics say. There's no metric that captures that. Yeah. It's just like, oh shit, where's this dude at? I need to account for him. Well, and here's why I say that in the context of LeBron. So LeBron in a game or in a quarter or certainly in a playoff series, and we didn't get to see a lot of that this year. He's He's got that defensively. Like a little again, a little bit less this year. But so LeBron this season averaged 1.1 blocks and 1.3 steals. And he it seems like, yeah, there are some games where he doesn't have the proper defensive energy, probably because he's doing everything else, right? And he's in his 19th year, but where he can dominate a, a period of a game still like that because of his size, because of his smarts, and because of all that. So he but that was that's that's part of the argument. And then the other part is just the when you, when your usage is that high. And you're taking a lot of shots like it's you're not hurting your team if you're still shooting 52 percent from the field. I'm 100 percent in agreement when it comes to the LeBron stuff. It is tricky, though, Pete. And like you said, the availability stuff, it does matter and it does play a part in these conversations again, though, just and this is just to close the circle with this LeBron stuff. I'll be very interested to see where he ends up in this conversation and how voters treat him. Because on a lot of levels, a player like LeBron does get the legacy votes. He does get that. Well, he's LeBron James. As long as he's playing at a certain level, he deserves a certain amount of recognition. And so I'll be interested to see how the voters treat him in the end. But that's enough on LeBron. Mike, we're on to our third teams now. We already know that Siakam is one of the choices for you. So yeah. who else, who are the four other players that that make your third team? So Chris Paul, really hard for me to have him on the third team this year. I, I just think that he he was great. He was a plus 10 net rating uh, amongst there with the league leaders, basically just behind uh, Steph Curry and Tatum league-wide. But so he's, to me, can't even be discussed, right, His, that, that he at least deserves third team. Then... I mentioned Siakam. I think Towns is the clear third-team center. Gobert has a case. Uh, but overall, what he did this year, like, as I say clear, I could I could hear arguments for Gobert, by the way. But um, but I had Towns. And then these last two spots were tough. I In terms of overall production and what they meant to the to their teams, I, I had Trey Young and DeRozan, where, where I would really, like, if I were picking the guys that I like more, I would have picked Jimmy Butler and Drew Holiday, right? Like those types of players that are better defensively, that are, their teams are better. They're, I want them ahead of those guys in the playoffs, but just in terms of production and all of that, uh, and I say that, so DeRozan ended up with a, a one plus a 1.1 net rating on the season, and Young was 2.3, despite all of their offensive productivity. 
Neither gives you much on defense, but I still I settled for putting them on the third team. Wanted to put Holiday and Butler, and if I continued to think about it, I probably would. So, uh, where are you guys on that? Again, Mike, I got the same guys. Young's numbers are ridiculous in terms of Trey. I just think he is the Hawks' offense. Like he is the guy who makes their entire team go on that side of the floor. He is the key decision maker. Everything is built off of him, and maybe that allows for some of the numbers that he puts up to be there, but you have to go out there and you have to make the passes and you have to make the decisions and you have to play to that level. And he's done that. And I think it's very hard to discount his impact on the game, particularly offensively for, for the Hawks in terms of DeRozan. We've talked about how snake bit the Lakers were this season in terms of injury as well. Chicago Bulls are like, hold my beer, right? Like they had a key forward, in Patrick Williams basically missed the entire season. Lonzo Caruso missed a bunch of time. He doesn't have another great defensive like forward or big man next to him. And so whatever his defensive deficiencies are, are probably going to be highlighted by many of the other players that are on his roster. And again, he was an incredible offensive player this year. And for a good I don't know, 40 or 50% of the season was probably in the top five of MVP discussions. Like, I just think you have to reward him for the season that he had. And you cannot tell the story of this season for the entire league without saying, like, DeRozan was a key figure in all of this. So to me, he has to make third team. Yeah, there's something to be said for guys on playoff teams in particular that are the sun that all of the other planets on their team revolve around. If you can be the hub of a playoff caliber offense, um, I think that that's part of what the all NBA teams are for. I think that when you go back and do look a little deeper at those teams, you'll find a lot of players that fit that description on there. Um, and so I'm also in agreement with that group. The one thing I'd say is I hate having Cat as one of the top 15 players in the league. And if Bam Adebayo played 10 more games this season, he would have been in that spot. Miami's a number one seed in a much tougher Eastern Conference than Western Conference. We don't have a single dude yeah. from them on I, any of those teams. Bam was on so. that was on that honorable mention, like that next uh, there, Pete, and he was plus 8.1 net rating, 56 games, same as LeBron. So he, yeah, there's a there's a very strong case for that, uh, but just felt like you had to reward somewhat of what the Wolves did, but yeah. For That's sure, tough. for sure. That's a tough one. But we didn't reward anything of what Miami did, right? In the All NBA teams, and they're the number one. Butler seat, and so, Bam, right? yeah, yeah. That's yeah. And when you go back, the whole history of the NBA is filled with stuff like that. True, guys. This has been fun. I am looking forward to tomorrow. We're going to record a Lakers show, and then next week we're going to be talking NBA playoffs. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bam X for the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. 
Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, miss it! Bryant, it's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.